I usually don't have to turn it on. There we go. Thank you. Before we get to the to the meat of it, I hope something was recording that for those online. But uh, all right, we're not going to start over. We're going to go on. But that that speech, everybody's kind of buckling up. The attendants begin a speech, and they show you how the safety belt works. And then what else do they show you? The, the air mask, they're, they're, they, they could, when the air mask will drop down. Any you ever been on a plane where the air mask dropped down? Yep, <clears throat> I have. Um, and, it, you know, it was so comforting. We're, we have this little jolt, and then the air mask drops down. And then the pilot comes on to comfort us and relax us. He says, sorry, we hit the wrong button in the cockpit. You can, you can ignore that. Right, so now we're a little bit comforted because we don't have to panic, but the pilot doesn't know what he's doing. That, that was a little terrifying. But when they're given this speech normally, what are they doing? The passengers, they're fidgeting. They're sending one last text. They're finishing up their call before they hang up real fast. They're talking, laughing. They're preparing for a, a routine flight. Some of them are sitting there in their chair doing their Lamas deep breathing. Trying to, trying to calm down before the plane starts moving. And, and people ignore it for the most part. Now, if there's an emergency on the flight, suddenly everyone wishes they'd paid attention. Suddenly it's like, what was she saying? What was he saying? What, oh, what do I need to do? Frequent flyers are often numbed by the repetitiveness of the information because they've heard it dozens of times or hundreds of times. And we can do that with Christmas. We've been hearing it for a long time. I grew up in church. I don't remember not hearing the Christmas story. And so in my lifetime, if I could remember that well, I could probably remember 55 or 56 years of Christmas stories because I'm 60, so I, could, I can't remember all of them. But we get numbed. You've been hearing about this. You've been hearing about this, some of you, since you could barely walk. You've been hearing about this. But I want to tell you why it's really important that we pay attention. Three things. One is that God is speaking through His Word. This is a holy moment. This is not just gathering with some friends to hear some guy. This is a holy moment where the people of God are listening to the message of God given from the Word of God through a person speaking God's truth to us today. This is God speaking. It's important stuff. We need to pay attention. And as you listen, you listen not just to the words of the preacher, but you listen to what the Holy Spirit is doing inside you. Because the Holy Spirit will speak into your life as you listen to God's Word. And secondly, this is important because Satan is trying to distract you. The, the Scripture, Jesus talks about Satan and, and he's trying to snatch away the Word. 
so that the Word of God is being pressed into your heart and Satan's trying to rip that out of there. He's trying to get you not to pay attention. So you're going to notice the people around you more than you're going to notice the Word of God if you're not careful. So if you allow yourself to tune out, Satan wins and you lose. Here's the third reason is that we need to be reminded of these great truths. God is an awesome God. And God loved us. And God came into humanity. And God brings the greatest message ever given in the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. And we need to realize this is important, not just because angels were there, but because God was there showing his love for us. So this morning, we're going to look at on a quiet night in Bethlehem. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need your help. We don't just need your help for salvation. We thank you that Christ died for our sins. Thank you that by believing and trusting in Jesus Christ, we can have our sins forgiven and have new life and see the true beauty of Christmas. But we don't just need your help for our sins to be forgiven. We need your help to focus our hearts. We need your help to help us learn your deep truths. We need your Holy Spirit speaking into our hearts and lives. We, we need you to remind us what is glorious about Christmas, what is a blessing, what is a distraction, and to help focus our hearts so that we can listen and learn and be drawn closer to you. And we thank you that you don't just get us started on a walk with you and then wait for us in heaven. You walk with us every day. We thank you for your presence with us here this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. On a quiet night in Bethlehem, we're going to go back to portion of Scripture that uh, was read earlier in the service. And did you notice that when Megan lined that out, she got to be the voice of the angel? Did, did you notice that? I, I, I noticed that, but I, I don't think that's why she did it. And, and I like Jim. And suddenly, I was like, Wow, yeah, it was very sudden, wasn't it? It was. I can't read it quite that well right now. But look, in uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. It's night, and suddenly it's very bright. The glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And we all say, yeah, duh, right? <laughs> of course they were. Verse 10, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And they said, a little late for that. Uh, but do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly 
There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The first thing the angel said to them was, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because of our sinful nature, we experience fear where we should not. Some people want to trust Christ, but they're afraid of what other people would say. We find that in Scripture. Some of the religious leaders in Israel, they were afraid to step toward Jesus because they feared what the other people would then say about them. Because of our sinful nature, we experience fear. Adam and Eve were in the garden. And in the perfectness of the garden at the beginning of creation, they experienced no fear. And then they sinned. And because of their sin, they experienced fear. They were afraid when they heard God. They'd never been afraid when they heard God before. But now they were afraid. They had never experienced that until they sinned. And the Israelites were afraid when God spoke from Mount Sinai. And they, the, uh, they were afraid when Moses' face glowed. Remember, they, they asked him, please cover up your face. Not because he was ugly, but because he glowed with the light of heaven. And they said, your face looks too angelic. Please cover it up. Nobody ever said that to me, but they said that to Moses. God calls us all to love Him and to trust Him and to not be afraid, to not be fearful, to not be anxious. Don't be afraid. Then he says, good tidings of great joy to all people. When something great happens, you can't wait to share it with others. The news media prefers to share stories that uh, kind of depress us, make us feel angst and nervous and fearful and fretful. And, uh, but he says, this is good tidings. This is great joy. Uh, we live in a culture that kind of doesn't like people to experience great joy. And there's all kinds of people. If there's a kid who's got a happy disposition, you know, you think, oh, they're going to outgrow it. If a, if a couple's married and, and they're so thrilled to be married and they're happily married, what do people say? The honeymoon will be over, right? This is the honeymoon phase. This is temporary. We, we don't like joy in our culture. But as believers, we should experience joy every day because the Lord is with us. On the worst day of our lives, the Lord is with us. Through the difficulties of life, the Lord is with us. He is working on us, in us, through us, for us, with us. The Lord is with us. And so we tell other people about Christ, and that's why we stream these messages online and why we share uh, messages and notes on YouTube and, and, and why we support missions right here and around the world, as you can see on our mission board in the back. We, we do this because this is good news for everybody, to all people. Everyone needs to hear this, and we get to be involved in the sharing of it. 
good tidings, great joy to all people. And the first part of that goodness, good news is a Savior is born. So we're going to look at this phrase a piece at a time. We're starting with a Savior is born, who is Christ the Lord. He's the Savior. Mankind was created perfectly. Perfect bodies, perfect brains, perfect heart, perfect environment, perfect diet, perfect bodily functions, perfect brainwave patterns. That's how it was at the beginning. But then Eve was tempted by Satan in the form of a serpent. And Eve ate the one fruit in all the garden, luxurious trees filled with fruit, herbs growing, all kinds of stuff available. And God said, you can eat anything you want except for the fruit of that one tree. And they were happy till the serpent uh, tempted Eve, and then Eve looked at the tree, and then Eve desired to have it, and Eve ate it, and then gave it to Adam, and he ate it, and then they sinned. From that point on, every person is born with a sinful nature. Adam and Eve didn't have a sinful nature at first, till they brought sin into the world. So every person is born with a sinful nature. Everybody. Uh, you don't have to teach kids to be naughty or self-centered. They do that just fine all on their own. And so what we need is a Savior. So if, if we were designing this system, we would say, you know what needs to happen? You need to be really, really, really good. All right, do, do any of you sitting in this room see anybody else sitting in this room that would be so really, really, really good that all on their own, God would accept them? We all are sinners. We have a sinful nature and we make sinful choices. So in the process of our sinful nature and sinful choices, we needed a Savior. But what could the Savior be like? Couldn't be another person like us because then he would have a sinful nature and have sinful desires. It needed to be somebody different. And so God did something different. God stepped into humanity. God in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, God stepped into humanity. Jesus, the God the Son in eternity, stepped into humanity as the Son of God. And he lived and he died for us. A Savior. We needed a Savior. We needed somebody who could save us from ourselves. You know, the first time that this really came home to me, I was a Christian for several years. In fact, I was pastoring. And, uh, and my father-in-law... Uh, he lived in Tucson, and at that time we lived in Sawarita, about 100 miles south of here. And I picked him up in Tucson, and we went up to Mesa, and we were at a, a men's retreat. And he and I were the only two that went from our church that time. And so uh, we 
slept in the basement of the church. Uh, some of the other guys got a hotel. We didn't want to spend the money on that, so we slept in sleeping bags in the basement of the church. And uh, But while we're sitting around the campfire and we're, guys are sharing some testimonies and all that, it really hit me very forcefully that God didn't just save me from my sins. He saved me from myself. Because I met Ed's story when I was in sixth grade, and uh, I had him as my Sunday school superintendent when I was in seventh grade, and he didn't like me all that much. I, I came to his attention sometimes. I, I behaved badly, and he was the one correcting me. How many of you think it's really fun to have somebody correct you? It, you know, it's just not, right? And so I thought he was pushy and fussy and grumpy, and I had no idea that I was sinful. I, I just thought it was all his problem. And now here we were on this men's retreat, and he had become one of my close friends. And it really hit me, God saved me from me, from the me I was and the me I was becoming. He changed me. He put me on a different trajectory, a different path, a different plan for my life. And I'm so grateful for that. We needed a Savior. Now, some of you got saved when you were really young kids, so you wouldn't necessarily know what you needed. You, You wouldn't have baggage. But everybody in here who got saved a little later, you had baggage, right? And, and you recognize that. You made some choices that were not as good for you, and sometimes they hurt other people too. But God sent a Savior. A Savior. Doesn't that sound great? That's what we needed. And that's what God did. But he did something that even blew our minds because he is a Savior, is born, who is Christ the Lord. We were expecting a Savior. The Jews were expecting a Savior. They were expecting a Redeemer. They were studying about the Messiah. They were looking toward the one who would come and save them and looking at the Scriptures. And so what they expected was this conquering king who's going to come and rule the world. And you know what? That's going to happen. The Bible very clearly says so. But that's the second coming. Now, we know there was a first coming and there will be a second coming. They didn't know that back then. And so when Jesus came, it blew them away. To have the shepherds worshiping him and then later on the wise men coming and and worshiping him. And the other people are like, that's that's not a savior. That's a, a baby. And we we forget that in order to really show us the way of life. We needed one who could live it. One who could be a model for every nation. In America, we think, 
Uh, the greatest nation on earth is America, right? Well, you know, other people in some other countries, they think theirs is the greatest nation. We realize they're deluded, right? Uh, we know ours is. But see, what we needed is a worldwide standard. Somebody who's not just Jewish boy or American boy or Cuban boy or Russian boy, but somebody who could be the boy that would speak into the lives of people worldwide for all time. And yes, Jesus was born Jewish, but Jesus didn't celebrate his Jewishness as much as he celebrated his relationship with God the Father. And he drew us into that relationship. And so Mary held this little baby. I love that song, Mary, Did You Know? She, she held this little baby. And this year, I think it's blown me away for the first time, really. I've thought about it before, but this year it's just like, wow, when Mary got to heaven, and she saw Jesus in his glory. And she remembers when he came out, when she delivered him and held him for the first time. And then she saw him, in his, and, and she saw the complete fulfillment of everything that she had held on to just a little bit. And now, wow, there it is. See, we had a Savior born. The one who created the universe, who spread the stars by the span of his hand is the illustration in Scripture. And then he's a little baby. The one who spoke creation into existence had that baby moment where he realized that thing flying by his face was something he could control. The one who spoke creation into existence had to learn how to speak. The one described as light, and in, in him was no darkness at all, lived in a dark womb for nine months. A Savior is born. We were incapable of understanding God's love and God's grace, and we needed someone to help us understand. So God himself, the Son of God and God the Son, stepped into humanity. The Creator stepped into his creation to show us the way to God. And we read in the Gospels, and we see the way Jesus walked and talked and lived and loved. And he helped us comprehend the Father. And then he purchased our salvation, paying the penalty for our sins. A Savior is born. The last part of this phrase says, Who is Christ the Lord? A Savior. Who is Christ the Lord? Christ is his title. If you're, uh, when I was a young kid, I always thought Jesus was his first name, Christ was his last name. You know, I was Terry Green, he was Jesus Christ. I didn't realize he was Jesus the Christ. It, Christ is a, is a title. He was the Messiah of Israel. And you go all the way back to the very beginning, and in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and he created Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve sinned against God. And in uh, Genesis 3, uh, God said, the seed of the woman would crush Satan's head. And so from that very beginning, there was this prophecy that would go down through time. I'll, I'll walk you through this a little bit on Christmas Eve. And, and that prophecy that would go down through time, and you'd see over and over the Scriptures being fulfilled. And 
this prophecy and this prophecy and this one and this one, and we couldn't possibly deal with all of them in one message. I'll give it a little snapshot of it uh, Christmas Eve. But he is the Messiah called the Anointed One. He is the fulfillment of all of those Old Testament prophecies. And the amazing thing is that the leaders in Israel should have been able to look to the Word of God and say, wow, yeah, oh, there, oh, I should have seen that, oh, and they missed it. He is the seed of the woman from Isaiah, or from Genesis 3. He is the sign from Isaiah 7. He is the son from Isaiah 9. He is the Savior mentioned in the Psalms, uh, Isaiah, and all the Gospels. He is the Christ, the Savior. No wonder the angel said, good tidings of great joy to all people. But see, some people scorn the Christmas story. And they say that if salvation comes only through Jesus Christ, what happened to all those people who were born before Jesus was born? If salvation's only through Christ, there's a couple thousand years, 4,000 plus years of human history. What happened to all of them? Now, there's more people alive on earth today, probably, that have ever been alive on the earth, although we don't know how many were alive before the flood in Genesis. But there's, there were a lot of people, at least millions of people, if not billions of people who've lived before Jesus was born. What happened to all them? Did they just miss out? You know, when I served in the Marine Corps, most people who served in the military, when you get out of the military, you get something called the GI Bill. And that GI Bill can help pay for college. It can help in other ways. Uh, it can help you learn, go to trade school, go to college. My dad actually uh, got through college and he even got a master's degree, all funded by the Air Force and then by the GI Bill. But there was a little window in which the GI Bill was no longer offered. That window was from 1976 to 1984 or 85. There was no GI Bill. Guess when I served in the Marine Corps? In that window, the late 70s, the early 80s, no GI Bill. So, what happened after they restored the GI Bill? Did they then restore it to me because I had served? Nope. And that's the way some people think, well, if those people lived before Christ, how could they have believed on Him? But let me share with you three things that you really need to understand about that process, okay? Number one, in the Old Testament, they were saved not by believing in Jesus, don't get me wrong here, but by leaving, believing in the Messiah who would come. They didn't know the name Jesus until the angels said that to Mary and Joseph. It was the Messiah, also called the Christ, the Redeemer, the Anointed One. And so they got saved by believing the Redeemer who would come. 
So listen to these verses. Um, Genesis uh, 15.6, Romans 4.9, Galatians 3.6 say, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Job 19.25, for I know that my Redeemer lives and will stand at last on the earth. In Psalm 27, David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Isaiah 12.2, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Yah, the Lord, or the Lord Jehovah, is my strength and song. He is become my salvation. Ephesians 2.8, we are saved by grace through faith. They look toward the Messiah. So how did Abraham get saved? He believed God. How did David get saved? He believed God. And people have always gotten saved by believing and trusting in the Lord and His plan of salvation. So back in Abraham's day, he believed that one of his descendants would be the anointed one. And you go all the way through human history. And then you come down to the other side, and we now look back on the Savior who came. And so all through history, we are saved by believing God's revelation and trusting in God's redemption. Then the scorners then say, well, okay, you know, suppose that were true, that they got saved by believing the Redeemer would come. Job didn't say, my Redeemer, Jesus the Christ. He just said, my Redeemer, he believed God. Abraham believed God. David believed God. They were saved that same way. But what about the people today who have never heard the name of Jesus? I don't know if this is true, but I've heard it said that more people know Coca-Cola than know Jesus Christ. It's more recognized around the world. So what happens to all those people? Do they miss out because they didn't have Christian parents or live in a culture that allowed the gospel to be shared freely? Now, actually, there's a couple of things the Scripture says. Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So there are people who, want, who need to be saved, right? And they haven't heard about Jesus, so what happens? Romans chapter 1 says God has put two things in every person's life. The first is creation. You look at creation, you look at the world, you look at the stars, you're blown away. And you know, the order and the precision of the universe. And even non-believing scientists have rejected the theory of evolution and have accepted there must be an intelligent designer. They're just not ready to trust and believe in Jesus Christ. Just by looking at creation and the orderliness of it and the precision of it, and the flight of a bumblebee. Science can't ex even come up with a reason why bumblebees can actually fly. The wing size is too small for the body size, the weight. It shouldn't work. But God makes it work just fine. And so God has put creation out there on display to say, you want to know me? 
Look around. And then God did something else. He put something inside of us. He put a knowledge of God inside of us. That's what Romans 1 says. And so in our conscience, we have this awareness. We, we have an awareness of right and wrong. Most cultures around the world have certain laws. They recognize this is right and this is wrong. And in almost all of those cultures, all the cultures around the world, there are certain laws that line up in every culture. This is wrong and that's wrong. It's wrong to steal Now, some cultures, it's okay to steal from your enemy, but not from your friend. But there are rules against stealing. There are rules against murder. There are rules against kidnapping in in almost every culture. Because God put into people an awareness of who he is and a knowledge. And so what has to happen is God put, consider it two lights, okay? The light of conscience and the light of creation, and God put those in every person. And if they reject what they sense on the inside about God, or they reject creation, then one of those lights goes out. And if they reject the other one, then it goes dark. But what if they want to get saved, and they've never heard the name of Jesus? Hebrews eleven six. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I've told this story here before, but allow me to again. It's a really fun story. Some missionary friends of ours, um, uh, they, they were in Ecuador, and there's a part of Ecuador that's this scary area. And she was down, and she was ministering in this one city, and then she's going home, and she's driving through this area, and she's in their station wagon. They hauled a lot of stuff. And, you know, she's driving along, and she's all by herself in this darkness, and her car just dies, just completely dead. No motor, no battery, nothing. She's sitting there in the dark on this secluded road in the middle of the less-than-good area of Nigeria. Or was it Ecuador? Was it? What, I think it was the ones they 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 always called Benjamin Benjamin, but I anyway. She's in this bad area of the country. Okay, she's sitting there in her car and she's praying and she hears this on her window. And so, in a very calm way, she looks up to the window. No, she was scared. She jumped and she looked to the window and there's a guy in fierce native dress with war paint on and everything. And so he knocks again, and he tries to talk to her through the window. So she, old car, you know, didn't have to have the battery to put the window down. She cranked the window down a little bit, got a little gap in the window, and he says, are you the one that should come? And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, I was praying to the God of the stars that he would reveal himself to me. And as I prayed to him, he told me to come on this night in this place and one would come to tell me about that God. Are you the one that should come? She said, yes, I am. And she told him from Scripture about Christ He trusted Christ. He gave her detailed directions to get to his village. 
she went home. As soon as they were done, the engine fired right up. She drove home, no more problems with that car. It ran great for years. She got home, told her husband about it. They prayed together. They made plans. They went to that village. They shared the gospel. And dozens of people got saved. And they ended up starting a church in that village because somebody was seeking to know the God of the stars. And God said, He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The ones who are too busy for Him, the ones who don't think about Him, whether they have heard His name or not, they miss out. But the ones who seek Him, He will make a way they can find Him. God is a rewarder of those who seek Him. So it really was good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Because Jesus is the Savior of the world. So we're going to end in a way we did earlier. We're going to end with what the, the angels shared with the shepherds that night. On a quiet night in Bethlehem when a multitude of angels praised God and now we're going to praise God and we're going to say this together as we did earlier in the service. Ready? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men because the Savior is born. If you're here this morning and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need a Savior. And He's the only one there is. You need to trust Him. We can show you from Scripture the truth of God's Word about your lostness and His righteousness and His willingness to save you, and you can trust Him as your Savior. Please do that today. Don't wait. Years ago, we had a deacon in this church, very faithful man, Norm Shiley. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing him in heaven someday. Norm was a Christmas baby. And he used to say he was a Christmas baby twice because he trusted. He was born on Christmas Day and then he trusted Jesus as his Savior. So every Christmas was a celebration of his birth and his new birth. And you can trust Christ. So please don't leave without taking care of that. If you're a believer and you know Christ, are you walking with Him? Are you serving Him? Occasionally, His disciples uh, in the Scripture, they messed up. And they were arguing over who was going to be the greatest. And they were ignoring the greatest who was right there with them. The Lord of heaven and earth. We can get sidetracked. We can get um, distracted. We can get disturbed in our brain and our anxiety and we're no longer trusting and following Him. But He wants us to. And for those who choose to trust and follow Jesus, this is a glorious time of year. But every day is a good day when you walk with the Lord.